What is going on, everybody? Welcome aboard the Soul Train. We have an extra special episode of our favorite weekly live show. Welcome to Thirsty Thursday. Hope everybody had a fantastic week since the last time we saw you. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, all that fun stuff. Ho- hopefully, you got to spend it with all the people you care about and uh, and and burn it absolutely down. I said that in the show before the show, if you were watching on Twitch, and it's just burned into my brain right now, so I'm going to continue to repeat things that I've already said, and that's just going to be the way it is. But before we introduce our special guest tonight, let's start off with our two co-hosts. I would like to introduce everybody to Mr. Ryan DeMay and Mr. Ray Ito. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing this evening? Matt, fantastic. Really excited to be here. It's our... uh... I believe our first international guest. Is that, am I remembering correctly? This is, this is our first international guest. And I was going to tell you um, that we are, we are uh, charting really well on Apple Podcasts right now in, uh, in a foreign country. Uh, we are top 200 in Bulgaria right now. So, um, you know, feels kudos great. to our what? international community. Yeah, feels I mean, great. we are burning it down. I've got, I got the notification. I got an email that said, uh, you know, hey, I just want to let you know you're top 200 in, in Bulgaria for Apple Podcasts. So, um, if, for anybody that listens to us on Apple Podcasts, you please continue to give us five star reviews. To the person who did not give us a five star reviews, respect. I got it. No problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? The, the positive reviews are there. And, uh, and if y'all could continue to do that, that helps with the algorithm, all that fun things. And that's why we're charting top 200 in, in Bulgaria. We're absolutely yeah, pro- probably, there. I'm going to say 80 to 85% female listenership over there in Bulgaria. If I had to guess, I, I don't think there's any males in Bulgaria. So that would have to be the case. <laughs> I don't think there's any men there. They're all fighting the Russian army right now. A little too busy. Yeah. There's, there's real stuff going on in, in that part of the world that we're not necessarily having to deal with <laughs> right here. <laughs> Ray, what are you up to, sir? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just uh, another quiet uh, afternoon for me. That's good. Are you experiencing any sideways rain right now? Not yet. Not yet. There's uh, a little side note. Uh, guess who contacted me yesterday? Turf Truth? No, 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 no. no. Okay. The consultant, consulting firm that is working with our state highways department. That always sounds like a really good time when the... uh, the consultant ask to you? the government calls the private business. Are they trying to figure out how to get Sheila to rear end their greens mower? No, I, I think what it is, is uh, they are looking for somebody to advise them on vegetation management. Oh, of course. The consultant has to call a consultant to advise them on vegetation management. Funny how that works. I'd, Responsible I'd, bureaucratic spending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd start with Arden 15, don't you think? I mean, there's a really cool place you can buy it from. It's really simple to get. It'll come right to your door. Why not, right? 
Um, links in the well, description like down below. Uh, Thegrassfactor.tv slash sonar if you would like to check out uh, a pond uh, herbicide <laughs> that, that we recommend if, you're, if you are uh, registered <laughs> in aquatics. I bet you it'll um, clean your pool, too, if you really wanted it to. You know, okay. pool or a pond, whatever. We accept no responsibility for any death or mortality <laughs> or uh, injuries that take place. But, gentlemen, <laughs> I really want to introduce our extra special guest tonight. Please. Coming all the way from the land down under, we have Ben the Lawn Tips Sims. Sir, welcome. Yo, yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Thanks for yeah. the invite. <laughs> Absolutely. I know uh, we've been working for quite a while to get you on here, but you, you've been going through all kinds of life changes in your own personal life and having to move and get set up in a new pad and uh, having to deal with internet effery and all that fun stuff. And so, no, man, we, mm. we get it. But finally, we're able to make it all work. And we are bringing it. We're bringing it to everybody around here leading up to Christmas. And I don't think there's a better run up to Christmas present than a little Ben Sims in their life. It's just, I'm just going to put it out there like, <laughs> what a man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, tighten your belt. Cause we're about to ask you a metric shit ton of questions in a not necessarily rapid fire, uh, 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 manner, because I think, uh, we, I think everybody would like to take this opportunity to get to know you as Ben, the person and get to know you as Ben, the dad and husband, and as well as Ben, the turf manager. Um, and, you know, what is so exciting for me about this is when we have other in industry people on is that, you know, we can kind of, there's a certain amount of camaraderie. I call it the fraternity. I, you know, I call, you know, turf crash, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a frat, right? And, uh, and you know, it's <laughs> just, there's just certain instances and similarities and shit we had to cut our teeth on that you know we understand that a lot of other people don't understand and to be able to bring an international perspective to that is even that much more exciting so during the pre-show i have been holding my tongue from asking so many questions that i wanted to ask so i could save it for here but now we've made it um and i'll tell you who always kicks off the question so gracefully and it's it is our in-house consultant and that's that's ryan so ryan um, break the ice, cut the ice, and uh, and and let's get us get us started in this in this way of thinking here. So, okay, I, I mean, I've got a whole bunch of questions too. I, I really find it fascinating. <laughs> I do. It's 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 fascinating because there are uh, the the thing I think about is you know uh, I come from a golf background originally, and if you go to you know different continents, there are very distinct ways that turf managers on that continent manage and they're very different in a lot of respects mm -hmm. but also there's enough similarities too so i'm curious to break you know break into that here in a little bit but just you know for the people that don't know you right you're you're sitting here talking to you know three dipshit americans about grass on youtube <laughs> late at night here midday for you how did we get here ben like what what brought you to putting all of your stuff and your content out there on YouTube and why grass and just take us through the journey that got you to right here right now. It's a big question, man. Um, so originally I, I came from a golf course, sort of a background. I was ended up being a turf manager in the end. Um, when I was on the golf course with my twin brother, believe it or not, identical twin brother. So I, I was an apprentice mm -hmm. at an apprenticeship here in Australia, which was four years of training. You do courses and this and that, certificate in horticulture. 
Um, and then we, my brother and I took over the role of superintendent. It was like a bit odd because we were twins. They put us both <laughs> in the head role. <laughs> Where we're in there, which is a little bit odd. I've never heard of a, a dual superintendent, but it's, it's the way it was. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that was my, yeah, identical, exactly. So Josh could do the videos for me, my twin brother, and no one would know the difference. Maybe he already has. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it might be Josh right now. Watch out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, from there, um, I don't know. I started, I don't know what made me do the YouTube thing. I really don't know. Um, I, got, I bought a house and I started doing the grass in my backyard at home and I just thought, stuff it, I'll video it, why not? And I'll chuck it up on YouTube. And I'm not, I don't say that I know everything because I 100% do not know everything about grass. So I wasn't trying to teach everyone this is the exact way you got to do it, but it was more of a documenting what I was doing and maybe a few tips on the way. And the intention was just to have fun with it and it sort of went, oh, you've got the old videos there. <laughs> um, it just went from there, yeah, and it just grew and grew. and. Yuck, bro. Get that off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> look, at, look at Ben coming straight out of uh, of Dublin yeah. there with this with this aesthetic. How good is it? Do you like that? It's beautiful, eh? But no, yeah, and so I did the YouTube thing and from there I sort of went part-time on the golf course because this was getting too big, the YouTube, and then jumped into full-time. I would have been two years ago now doing YouTube full-time and left the golf course, which was a really hard decision because I love I loved working on the golf course, like looking after turf. Um, I still visit the course and see my brother a couple of times a week because I miss it, you know what I mean? Like it's it, once you, you've worked on a golf course, like it's a great it's a great career, like it really is, and it was very hard to step away from it. But this is obviously what I'm doing now. It's great for my family. I've got more time for them. I can actually take Christmas off. I'm not working ridiculous hours through the summertime so that was one of the main reasons to obviously jump out of it and do this thing mm. makes complete so sense you, I know. yeah uh, hang, hang on just to back up a little bit um did you was working in golf or in a, a turf crash related field even anywhere on your radar when you were younger no no way it wasn't at all. So what happened, I left school and I worked on a vineyard um, with um, grapes for probably six six months um, and I, I got a bit over that. So I ended up working at a phone shop, telecommunications place, selling phones. So I was a salesman. I wasn't a very good salesman at that because um, I hate selling stuff to people, <laughs> even though I sell products nowadays, but I'm just not a salesman. Um, and I, What happened was my brother was working at the golf course first um, and said there's an apprenticeship coming up. Would you be interested? And I just, I just jumped on board because I wanted to get out of the sales because I wasn't a fan. And then it just went from there. I See, when I first um, moved into a house when I got married, I didn't even mow the grass. I used to get the old whippersnipper out on it. You guys call it a weed trimmer, <laughs> whatever you call it. Um, used to get that out and mold, mow the whole lawn with a, with a whippersnipper. Didn't even get a mower. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I wasn't into grass. At all. Ray is cringing right now. Ray, <laughs> oh, yeah. Too. Ray, you need, yeah, to I, safe, you need to be in your safe space for a minute. Are you okay? No, I'm. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, no, I, I'm good. I'm good because uh, Ryan, I gotta have a strong stomach because remember, most places in Hawaii get cut with string. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, so I gotta have a Doesn't really strong good. stomach. Yeah, well, 
let me let me be funny with you guys then i mean just for that uh <laughs> let's do so, this <laughs> one question too just to clarify for our our viewers is where you know you don't have to give away like exactly where you're at but you know where what part of australia you know how far are you from some of the major cities that folks might know yeah so i'm um in orange which is in new south wales so about four hours from from sydney about four hours from sydney yeah, but it's more inland. We're a bit more inland. If you've ever heard of, I don't know if you guys follow the car races, but there's a place called Bathurst, which they have a lot of um, car races there, and we're only half an hour away from that. Yeah. Got it. All right. Got it. So then got it. you've got you've got this lawn care thing that gets started, right? And all you're trying to do is, is document stuff. But, like, when did you realize that you, one, had something, right, that there was a connection there and – you know, it started going viral and everything like that. And was it something that you were trying to do or is it just like, like literally organically over time, people just, you know, started to amass as followers and subscribers? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was something I was trying to do. Um, it was almost a hobby for me, just something fun to do on the side. I enjoy mucking around on computers. And the editing thing was interesting to me, and I, I'm a bit of a I'm a musician as well, so syncing up the music with the videos and stuff, it all was interesting to me. So it was just a bit of an outlet for me um, at the time, and I never intended it to become a job or grow the way it did. I guess it was just I always the original thing I said to my wife is, if I get a free bag of fertilizer out of this, I've won. <laughs> yeah, that was what I originally said. Like I never never intended it to be a full time job. You know what I mean? And because I love the golf course so much, I didn't want to leave leave the golf course. But yeah, I'd say you've I'd won. Say sir. I I think, I, yeah, I think think you do. Okay. <laughs> I'll um, tell you what's interesting is the the concept of an apprenticeship to move into turf management. I think mm -hmm. that's incredibly cool. Um, you know, it's just it's it's phrased a little different in the U.S. At least in 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 lawn care, right? You um. You you have to in, in order to apply uh, in, any sort of pesticide you you have to become uh, certified and until unless you have a degree in a related field or you have two years experience you cannot apply for a license once you apply for a right. license then you can hold a business charter right and at least in my state in Tennessee um and 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 so uh, effectively you have to have 2 years spraying under someone else's license as a certified applicator in order to be able to open your own business and hold your own charter or have a 4 year degree in it so it's structured very much kind of like an apprenticeship but you, you know when here typically when you hear apprenticeship in the US that usually relates to uh, union jobs um yeah, and okay. you know there's no there's no real trade organ eh, there is but there's no there, there's no union organization that relates to turf grass management, at least that I'm not aware of. Um, so yeah. it's it's interesting how how that works. How would you rate the apprenticeship program? Was it was it helpful? Was it educational? Um, yeah, t talk to us a little bit about that. Um, uh, it was okay. Like the first year, two years, we learned about botanical names for trees and. <laughs> I didn't remember any of that stuff. I didn't obtain <laughs> any of that information yep. in my brain. Um, and we learned about flowers and this. We only did turf grass in the last six months of the course, and it was a four-year course. So I, it wasn't super helpful, I'll be honest. I mean, we got our 
that's where we got our spray certificate first year in. So one year into my apprenticeship, I was able to spray greens, spray anything on the on the golf course, you know what I mean? Then I was certified to do that. Um, but it wasn't – I didn't learn a lot, to be honest, um, when I was at TAFE is what we call it. We call it TAFE. Um, but I, you definitely learn a lot more on the job and I'd say almost doing your own research, you know what I mean? Like, sure. yeah, it wasn't six months of it. Like, and even in the six months that we did greenkeeping, we did survey, surveying for two months of that and we did, you know what I mean, for constructions of greens and all that, all that kind of thing. So it wasn't a lot of a deep dive into different weeds and grass types and it was very, yeah, it was very odd. It's a bit of a dying a dying thing over here too. Like we only probably, so 20 years ago, you probably had 40, 50 people in the class. Nowadays, you're lucky to get two or three people coming through. So it's changed. Here. Same mm. thing here. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go. It, it, it's, it, so what, I mean, in your view, right, you're, you're in the golf course. What is that disconnect? Just curious from a, an Australian you know, perspective, uh, why are numbers so down or kids just not into working outside? What is it that you see? I think people look at like green keeping and, and turf management. It's just like you just mow grass all day. That's what people think. So no one's interested in getting out. Because I, I from mates at school, every time like, what do you do today? Just mow grass? I'm like, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> like that is the – everyone just thought you just mow grass day in, day out. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn. yeah, People like you, like you need, you need a, you need a certificate to do that, kind of a thing, yeah, right? Exactly. You need, you need a certificate, you need a certificate. But uh, in actual practice, I then straighten people out and tell them the reason why things are so screwed up is because that's all people know, and even that they don't get right. <laughs> that is the problem. No, it, it is. <laughs> There's, I think the stigma has become less over here, at least in my view, but That's good. it's still, it's still something where I, I think, you know, to your point, like you didn't even know that it was an actual career path and then, you know, you just happened mm. into it and it's sort of exactly. the same thing here where a lot of people don't know. And so, but yeah, Ray, I've heard, uh, I can't tell you how many times, man, you needed a four year mm -hmm. degree to, to grow grass. That's the, uh, what's the quote? My favorite quote. Oh, Grows in the cracks of sidewalks. How hard could it be? Right. Hold my yep, hand, yep. man. I mean, hold my yeah, hand. I, I'm shaking hey, over here. I've Matt. I've, Matt, I've, I've I heard of it. That, I don't care about your four year yeah. degree. I just want my thirty dollar loan application, boy. <laughs> 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 Tell me, <laughs> uh, legit. I'm sure. Legit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Matt had an A Matt had an AED in his truck so he could shock himself back to life. Just, just to make the paint go away. So yep. so okay, but, so I'm uh, curious to oh go ahead, Ray. Go ahead, I'm sorry. So in that certification now or that program, how much did you actually learn about growing grass because my experience educationally is it was all for me doing a lot of on-the-job training and my own research. Yep. It, you know, I, I, had, yep. I, I kind of had to do that, but then once I latched on to the research part, 
that is when I became more like what I am now. Mm. Yeah, well, the same thing for me, exactly the same. So we, I basically learned nothing when I was doing my <laughs> apprenticeship, as in when we did the, the course for going to school and, and doing all your exams and this sort of thing, I learned basically nothing. I When I actually learned most of what I was doing is what, when I was on the field and when, same thing, I started researching, reading a few university articles, buying myself some books, and they're all from the States, mm-hmm. all the books I've got because there's not many resources over here. Um, and that's where my passion really became big. Um, because yeah, that I don't know. It's it's odd how they run the programs, and they don't make it very inspiring. And it's very, I don't know. It's just it's not that like great. School research is like school. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it's like. Yep, hundred percent. You've been so, forced to learn something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What? So I'm curious. What are the resources there? Like you know, here we've got universities, we've got um, you know, different trade associations, all sorts of different things. But what are sort of the the primary resources, the go tos? That you have there for turf grass management, you know, research and other things like that. Oh, there's not a lot to be honest. A lot is a lot of what I've learned is from people that have taught me and above me. Like when I was on the golf course, or I've spoken to other superintendents around the country, um, and then I've just bought books from the states. Like there is not much over here. Like in all honesty, <laughs> it's amazing. It's crazy because mm. there's some mm. some very very good fine turf and and. Australia, and that's just it blows my mm. mind that so much of that has just been passed down, right? Uh, it's a very old school yeah. way of doing it. So it is. You can go to university nowadays, but yeah, I can't remember what the what the course is even called. But you can go to university if you want to go next level. But yeah, oh, never went well, there. <laughs> you can you can go to turfgrass school and uh, and basically get a get a degree in agriculture, like like. Some people that wasted their money on that, but anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not an ad guy. I'm not, but I certainly, certainly smoked my brain away attempting to be one. Uh, anyway, I, I don't remember what I was going to say anymore. Oh, um, I'm curious. In so it's 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 very common here that. Um, there are educational efforts that come from product manufacturers, um, or, or, uh, product reps, you you know, distributor reps and stuff. It it, does that, is that same kind of business model there as well? Like if you, if you got a quick question out in the field, like, Hey, you know, I came across some Dallas grass, you call your chemical rep and you're like, Hey man, I got some Dallas grass. You know, what do you got? Yep. hundred percent. So that's. That's exactly what it's like, especially on the golf course. Like, that's what you do. They'd almost be your you go to to know information. You know what I mean? Um, sure. And they make call outs once a month and they come out and check in and see if there's anything wrong. They'll do soil tests, tissue tests. They do all that kind of thing as well. So it's, but it's all through like a salesman. You know what I mean? So, like, a, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call them a consultant, I guess. Like, it's all just salesmen and they bring all the, which, which can be an issue because then they start pushing their own products and it, you can't sometimes see through the marketing as well, but yeah, that's that is the way that a lot of it, a lot of the guys learn on the golf courses. Like I know a lot of superintendents, not superintendents, more more um guys that have come out of their apprenticeships and they don't even understand what half the chemicals are or what they're applying. And do you water it in? Don't you water it in? Can you apply it there? This there? Like mm-hmm. you don't get taught those things in the when you get, go through the education. Like it's just it's funny, very interesting. 
Yeah, it's very much the states. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's like the that, scene. It's very basic, very fundamental type information, mm -hmm. right? Like this yeah. pathogen, and you can use these chemicals for it, but like another you know, nuance of hey, you should use this carrier volume with this one or this, you know, the, the, just all that is kind of just expected to be, you know, learned on the job and things like that. So it sounds very yeah. similar. So on the, on yeah. the lawn care side, right? You, you know, you've ascended into this, you know, space in YouTube and now, you know, a lot of your, I, I don't want to, it's not competition, right? But a lot of the people that are also putting out similar content are here in the States. And so like, I'm mm -hmm. just curious, I know you've been over here, you visited with Ryan before and, and all that. What have you found to be some of the biggest similarities and then some of the biggest differences in the way that Australians approach lawn care versus uh, us Americans here? Uh, to be honest, there's not really too many big differences. I, um, although Australians just love to cut grass short. <laughs> Even if the grass doesn't like it, they just love to take it down to dirt, basically. It's just <laughs> something that everyone does. <laughs> Uh, but there's That's not okay. there's not really too many differences, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, um, just obviously we have a lot more warm season grass here. It's like there's not many areas that actually have cool season grass that they'll they'll keep in all year round, apart from basically where I am down in Victoria, Tasmania, um, and some places like in Sydney they'll have bent grass greens, but the rest of it'll be like you guys call it Bermuda, but we call it Cooch, mostly Cooch mm -hmm. fairways, tees, all that kind of thing. So. Yeah, warm season grass is very, very dominant over here. If you have cool season grass, you're a bit of an odd, odd one out. Mm. But there's not huge okay. differences. I mean, you guys have a lot more access to chemical than we do. We've got a lot of bans on chemical over here, um, especially a lot of insecticides and fungicides as well. Um, yeah, however, it's not a huge man. Mm. However, Ben, you have start a war, Ben. Yeah, you have. <laughs> A lot of things in Australia that I'm familiar with because mm. those were the very products that were used on turf prior to 2000 in the United States. You actually mm. still have yeah. those active, those products. I mean, I, I think I mentioned that to you before is what the hell are you doing with this? Because this got yanked the off the market yeah. in the state. Yeah. MSME. DSMA, you can still buy DSMA in Bunnings, mm. which is like your Home Depot, but mm -hmm. it's watered down and it's mixed with MCPA, but it's watered down like crazy, but you can still buy DSMA. And I'm just like, what? It's, it's an S7 chemical. It's, <laughs> it, it, but then, okay. Uh, okay, the, uh, the Aussies are barbarians because other things they allow in Australia on turf grass Ryan, for Purifos? Yeah. Oh, not anymore. Nah, isn't? That's gone. That's, that's gone. gone. That went yep. away? Only, only, okay. in, only 12 months ago, though. Yeah, only 12 months okay. ago. Okay. But they still have diazinon, and they still have something called bendeocarb. Because, that one. okay, you were showing that, we're talking about that video for a show on the uh, black turfgrass beetle. Mm. Black and the yep. recommended product for that black beetle is bendeocarb, also known as turcam. Oh, yes, I do know exactly or, what or, it is. Or phycam. They call it phycam in Australia. And 
Yes, you, yes, I know exactly what it is. We use it for ants. Yeah, don't try this well, I, I used to use. No, I used to use a lot of FICAM back in the day for sod webworm and grubs back like then. There you go. Ooh, he's cool, you gone. Mm-hmm. Right. I know people use it for earthworms oh, here. That worked. Um, it's illegal. But people are you're not supposed to earthworms. No, you're, no, not, you're supposed not supposed to. to. It's, it's very illegal. Mm. But it works. And it does. Yep. Because... I, you know, have dealings with a golf course right now, a former golf course, and their biggest issue is earthworms on the greens. Mm. That's their biggest issue. And I was talking with one of my friends that used to be the super at this course, and he asked me, "Uh, what do you got for it? Because back in the day, we used to use, blah, 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 and I said, <laughs> can't get that now. Can't that. <laughs> yeah, can't do that. No. <laughs> Good thing you didn't say it. Exactly. Somebody See, it's not, registered for, yeah, it's not registered for turf here. It's, it's registered in agriculture. So you could, but you could go buy it down at your local um, ag supplier in town, and they wouldn't ask questions. You know what I mean? There's a lot well, of products is, like is that. that. Well, the thing is, is that, I know the active ingredient is also still registered for turf application, FICAM. It is still registered. Is it? It wasn't last time I looked. Maybe I was looking in the wrong. Oh, it might be not for earthworms, though. It's just ants and, and it's registered ants for and different. Black, yeah. black, black, yeah. black beetles. Uh, and yeah. it, does yeah. a, it does a fabulous job on grubs and armyworm. I yep. mean, that is the, the absolute Ray best. Ray gets so bored reading labels, he has to read international labels. He's like, I've read this thing so many damn times. I'm, I'm just I'm surprised I'm you know so Europe, much. And then I'm going to Australia. Well, Ray, it's awesome. It, it, you know, it is because I told you, I am legitimately jealous because there was not a good reason to... Really take that off the market, actually. Mm. There wasn't a good reason Ray, to do so because Ray's gonna write a letter. <laughs> write write a letter, good Ray. Luck. Is it is it a carbon <laughs> mate? Yep. Yeah. It is. It's a it's a bad word, you know? I mean it uh anything that ends in carb like that or, or starts with it, you know, you, you gotta mm. got a little negative connotation to it. Yep. Thanks to uh, thanks to Bhopal. Um, so with, oh. with, I, every time I do that, I don't mean to. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> listen, I you know I I'll tell you it was you know turf school in the states is a very weird thing too uh, because the the quality of the education you get depends on the university you go to, how much funding that university has towards research and. How much of that turf research uh, funding is towards, you know, shit that would be applicable to out in the field, right? Some of it may be focused more on construction or some of it like, you know, for instance, University of Tennessee right now, you kind of got two different facets that are going on. One part is herbicide resistance, which is a lot of fun to keep up with, right? Because that's, that's very applicable to a lot of the things, you know, we see while we're out in the field. But then like the other piece of it is, um, uh, 
artificial turf surfaces and uh, and how that impacts player safety. And you know, for, for me, I don't deal in sports turf. I never did deal really with anything in sports turf. Um, I was never involved in any kind of construction, so um, it it just it never appeals to me. But it was odd when I was there. You know, the the big name uh, professors that we have now that are drawing in all these research dollars, none of them were there. And so there was none of this research that was going on. University of Tennessee now has a, a big uh, research farm that just didn't exist while I was there. And so it was very much so that when when I got out of of, uh, of school, it was it was you know fight or flight kind of mentality, you know, like because I, I felt like I was just completely and totally thrown to the wolves. And uh, and I was like, all right, you know, good luck. And and you had you had two <laughs> options, right? You could go towards the maintenance side of things, or you could go towards product sales side of things. And the product sales side of things was kind of the the kitschy, cushy, you know, way to go, right? You're a bit more insulated. And I got to say that got flipped upside down pretty quickly in in the States, you know, big uh, national players like Agrium and stuff, um, you know, got, got bought, mergers, turnover started happening. And it became, you know, nowhere near as, as cushy as it once was. And, uh, and so, you know, I super identify with that, like of, of having to, um, you know, grab, uh, take the bull by the horns kind of sort of thing in order to, uh, in, in order to make it a, a reality and work for you. And, you know, you work for it. Um, let me, let me ask you this. When, how long did it take after the apprenticeship for you to catch, was it during the apprenticeship that you caught the bug or was it after the apprenticeship that it just, it seemed to take over? Would have been probably it would have been about a year after the apprenticeship where I was working full-time on the golf course, not going off to school and learning in there and actually like taking care of my own areas. I think that's when it really became sort of a passion. Like when you start to look after something yourself, see the results, put some inputs into it, say, oh, that doesn't work, this works. You know what I mean? So you need your research to see how to get your greens to grow properly, how to get them to fill in, how to do all that kind of thing. So once, yeah, it was once I took on a bit of, control and ownership of that is when I really started to learn and became a huge passion. Mm. So the courses you were on, was it mostly Bermuda grass or, or a combination of Bermuda and bent? What, what were your greens, I guess? Greens were bent or bent and power. It was probably, mm. I would say there was only 25, 30% bent in there and the rest was power. Oh, wow. Because mm-hmm. of previous, um, because of previous, Issues. One of the um, old superintendents that was working there um, mixed some endothol and wetting agent, and and killed out um, all of the greens. They all went to dust. <laughs> mm. So what came back was mostly power. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar. So with yeah, so it was an it was an ongoing battle to bring it back to bent. Um, we oversowed quite a few years in a row, and we got a bit comeback. But I mean, the only way we really started to see the bent actually push is obviously we we um we didn't we use mostly liquid fertilizers throughout the summertime and we used a lot of primo primo really did help out with bringing our um our bent grass back and suppressing that winter grass to like we call it winter grass power to an extent yeah but it was still mm-hmm. we ended up my brother and i ended up getting it about 50 50 i think in the end which we were pretty happy with considering you know what it was at sure mm. because uh what I know about converting a green from poor back to bent, you basically 
need to do a PGR program that includes something called Paclo. Yeah. Can you get Paclo yeah, down there? We do. Yep. Synge- you actually get it. Syngenta cells. Syngenta cells it, man. Syngenta. Syngenta. They do, yeah. Syngenta cells it. Yep. We do get it over here. Yeah. But here's the Because it suppresses the seed running, head. Yeah. If you run, if you're 75% Poe, though, and you start slamming it with Paclo, like, you're going to lose oh, it gets yellow. a lot of that green. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, now we, we, we tried, I mean, tried Paclo and, it, and it, we tried it on one of our um, nurseries. <laughs> Didn't like it. <laughs> so we, we actually used um, Trinex, Trinex Bacathol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it and it took it took a long time to get it going. Like and it, it yeah. It, we we backed off watering, we did a lot of things, a lot of aeration, this, this and that. And I mean you're never gonna the thing is the thing is with golf courses and what um what I've been taught is you're never gonna get a hundred percent bent green. You're always gonna get power creeping in there. You've got to basically live with it. That's why I like pet places like Pebble Beach and a couple of those golf courses over there in the States are just full of power because it's an easy thing to manage and it's not a bad turf surface if you don't have the, the seed head coming up all the time. But they say if you sowed, because we sowed a few greens and constructed a few greens when I was there, they say you'd basically have to redo your greens every five years to keep it pure bent because there's no way you can keep the power out. Like it's just you might as well live with it. And like there's no point in trying to fight power. Well, It's just now- ridiculous. There's, uh, was it the uh, the Korean scientist that came up with Poacure? Uh, Poacure, uh, yeah. So the what the lakes here in Australia is on a program. Mm. No kidding. Yeah. So the guys, it's expensive though. I think for a program, oh, it's yeah. 50, 50 grand. That was a couple of years ago. It'd be more expensive now. Like it is crazy. It's it's crazy money, but it's interesting, like at least from what I've just seen of it, I, I've never used it, so I don't know, but um, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting the length of time it takes to, uh, it, I call it transitioning out the POA, right? Because it's not, yeah. it's not like an immediate it death. It's not like spraying a three-way on a, on a, on a patch of clover, you know, where it, it curls and dies. All of a sudden, it's, it's this long transitory period of, of die out. And it seems to kind of coincide with the the uh, the, the grow in of, of bent grass, you know, it kind of happens simultaneously. And that is what's just so oh, it's I don't know, really piques my interest about that product, right? It is. So it's like suppression think- to an ex- to an extent, yeah. Because I've seen a few guys doing it, and it's worked really, really well. Yeah, no kidding. It's good. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very slow process, and I tend to think that for management and control of a lot of your foreign grasses or grass contamination type issues, I always approach that in terms of suppression or transition. Mm. I always approach it that way. And so when I make, make that approach, that also manages expectations mm. very well because then people are very clear that I'm not going to snap my fingers and their undesirable species is gone next week. No, you've had this problem. This problem is all around you. So therefore, this is going to not only take time to correct, but it will probably be an ongoing thing. Are you Mm -hmm. still on board? Yeah. 
hundred percent. The one, I, in my opinion, I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's not worth it. Oh, it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's a value judgment, right? Of that, that's always the the tricky part is whether it's Poe Cure mm. or Paclo. You spray something out there, and you think, oh, hey, we're fifty fifty. Turns out, hey, actually, you're like thirty seventy, right? Going the wrong yeah. way, or eighty twenty. Or, or oh, 80-20 yeah. going the and, wrong way. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. It's, it's, and a lot of guys can't even tell the difference between power and and bend. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's that's one of the, you know, you better be able to use those ID characteristics, right? Roll in the bud shoot, fold in the bud shoot. That's the easiest way to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, mm-hmm. the thing the thing with the, well, Ray, to your point on trying to transition out with Poacure, the nice thing about it is it does have pre-emergent properties too. So, both mm-hmm. a good thing and a bad thing, right? So didn't know that again. Good, cool. The good thing is that you're not going to see a lot of, um, you know, extra weed pressure right in those areas that you might otherwise see. But if you're also trying to use like an interseeding or an overseeding program, it's going to be tough, right? So you've got to let the mm-hmm. bent that's there do the work, and that's why some, you know, some guys just say, "Hey, I'm just going to give up, and we're going to regrass." You know, so you've seen that a lot, but. I do think it's going to be mm. a, a pretty good tool for people. Um, I was just on a, a new set of greens on a very prestigious golf course here that uh, they plan on using it as a tool, right, to to keep POA out uh, of new greens and see, hey, can that five years turn into seven or eight or ten mm. years before we have to regress? So I think that'll be an interesting yeah. thing going forward. The big cool. thing I want to hi- I want to highlight though is for everybody listening, don't think that you can take. Packle Butrazol and use it in your backyard putting green. I would not recommend that, like, <laughs> at all. But right? <laughs> oh, I mean, number one, you're going to smoke the green. Number two, you're not going to realize that there's, you know, Kentucky bluegrass surrounding it probably if you're in cool season country, and you're going to mm. smoke that too because it has a very, very hard time <laughs> distinguishing between Poa pretensis, Kentucky bluegrass, and Poa annua, annual bluegrass. So yep. just don't. Click on any of the links in the description below, and if anybody comes on a YouTube video and starts telling you about the miracle of Paclobutrazol taking out POA, check yourself before you wreck yourself, please. please, please. Yeah, don't, I mean, don't don't put it on your Bermuda grass either. I, oh gosh, I, no, I, no, don't do it. No. Not on don't the, do it. Not unless you're Telly Coleman. Sounds like you've you, done it, Matt. Maybe. Not maybe unless not unless you to, you totally. You damn right. Know I what did. you're in for. Yeah, I'm not saying you know, know totally what you're in for, and likewise, I'm the guy that does the things that you shouldn't do to grass. Say you learn. I'm that guy. Say you learn. Ray is that guy, and Ray is mm. between Ray and Telly. You know that was that was a lot of my inspiration of just being like, eh, what's the worst that could happen? You know, it dies. It's for me. Mm. It'll regrow, right? But. It was just so interesting to see it shut down for so long. Um, and and mm-hmm. I mean, just shut down like nothing, absolutely nothing. And it didn't matter what you did to it. You could not elicit any kind of response out of the plant, which oddly zinc was the one thing that did all of a sudden elicit a response out of the plant. But um, it was wow. it was it was literally rolling the dice to figure out what the hell to do, because it and, and I'm running lower than label rates and uh and i combined it with teendex too because you know i'm a fucking idiot but um 
And it it, hey, it just yeah. was so slammed. I mean, you know, for for a, over a month of worth of cutting, um, I mean, not even a full single bucket for uh, a, a walk behind reel mower on cutting a half acre. However many times I cut it for the over the course yeah. of a month, I mean, I didn't even fill up a whole bucket, and uh, it's just it it, it literally <laughs> did nothing. Thought there was yep. no. Yep. sideways lateral no, growth go- there was no vertical growth i mean it just stayed still completely Man. still so it was uh but if you if That's you're interested you're in learning more about paclo you can go to the grassfactor.tv slash paclo there'll be a link in the description down below i'm just kidding well gee i mean there is a bright side to this because Matt, i may or may not have <laughs> applied something similar to some lawns before meeting up with you folks in October. <laughs> oh, this was the uh, the Ray sleeper hold, right? Before he left Hawaii. <laughs> put the, put him in the, put those lawns in the chokehold and, and said, shh, time to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Night, night. It, okay. What I did was... And all these people were like, what are you doing, Ray? What I did was... What did you do to my lawn? Trinexapec, some anew, and a lot of cutlass. Damn, a son. lot. I don't have a mm-hmm. lot of experience with cutlass. Okay, cutlass is, it, it, is just no fluprimidol. Oh, it's very similar to uh, it's very similar to Paclo, except common Bermuda and Zoysia are a little more tolerant. I'm saying a little more mm. tolerant, not by much more. But the claim to fame mm. for Cutlass, actually, Ryan, is Cutlass is the preferred PGR for controlling POA in cool season fairways and cool season greens because it is not as severe as Paclo. I mean, to me, Paclo is nuclear because what i know paclo for is this is what i would feed a tree if i didn't want that tree to grow for the next three years i mean paclo okay. listen i've run some obscenely high rates of paclo and mm-hmm. have made no no bones about what i was trying to do in mm-hmm. depressing poa i mean rates as high as like 20 22 fluid ounces Shit. to the acre. Mm-hmm. Extending. And that's doing you know, put this it like... into perspective for people. I was running like six, oh, well, six anything, ounces. Anything on Bermuda, the, the rates are going to be like a quarter of what you would see on cool season grass. Yeah, it was like but nine mostly. ounces of T-necks. But I know guys that are running easy, 21, 24 ounces of T-necks. This was six of Paclow, nine of, of T-necks. And I mean, just dick in the dirt, dead. <laughs> Okay, and other factor too, Matt, is we got a t-shirt with Bermuda that grass. Please. Yeah. Bermuda grass growing on kind of acidic soil and no irrigation. Mm-hmm. That would be the, the mitigating or confounding factor because if I were to do the same thing to Bermuda on irrigation and on a more pH neutral soil, it would probably hold that eight ounce Tenix and six ounce Paclo with 
very differently. I'd probably need to bump up the pack low to maintain growth regulation on that Bermuda. Mm. But the soil There's makes no such the thing difference. As bumping up pack low. Seriously, though, for anybody that <laughs> wants to learn, the grassfactor.tv forward slash Paclo, P A C L O. Demay, you should go to it. It's actually really funny. I will uh, do it. Hey, can you it. can you pull that up real quick, JPing? And let's let's see what happens when you click this link. This is what happens when this, you click the link, right here. No. Okay, just don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. If you're I, going, I thought, playing uh, along, just don't do it. That's I thought this was going to be like say. meat spin or something. Good thing. All right, um, lemon party. <laughs> God. Anyhow, so on this on this topic of PGRs. So part of the part of the the life change that Matt was talking about is you know you you bought a new place and it's got significantly more turf right <laughs> than your old place that's probably an understatement yep. uh so you know you're going into summer here you're in summer i mean has it entered your mind that maybe that needs to be a part of your strategy or how have you how have you conceptualized oh hey now i've got 12 acres to take care of like at first, what was your thought process, and like where are you at with it now that it's you're like, hey, it's time to take care of it. There's really nowhere to hide at this point. Yeah, it's hard to know even where to start. To be honest, <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking it one step at a time. It's hard. Just one guy when when you're running a business on the side, like I'm yeah. on a computer half half the week. You know what I mean? And then trying to get outside and mow my grass. So I have already started using Primo. The issue is though, we got all that rain. We've had probably three weeks of rain and I didn't get a chance to put more Primo out, so it hit the rebound stage. And so I was going, Yikes. my grass outside is is long. She's very long out there. So Because when we had one sunny day, it was windy, windy as. So I've, I've had no chance to get any Primo out again. So as soon as we get a good, decent day and it's not too hot, I'm getting some out there again and going to try to keep on <laughs> keeping it out there because that's that's what I'm planning to do. Yeah, look at that. There's some nice grass for you. <laughs> what, what type of what type of turf is that, Ben? What type of turf oh, exactly is that? It's just a paddock, so it's just a mix of paddock grass. There's a lot of Phalaris grass in there, um, a lot of rye, a lot of everything. Just a mm-hmm. mix because... of green, green grass, right? Is there some fescue in yeah. there? Yeah, there'd be some fescue in there for sure. Hundred percent. This. Hey, I mean, I'm going to tell you that animals. Yeah, this this is uh, uh, something some to feed horses on. Yeah, uh, feed well, horses with. We're gonna that. get some cattle. Yeah, cattle in one of the paddocks. That paddock there is gonna be my par three, um, which I'm just mm-hmm. waiting to get my bore pump sorted, and then I'll be hooking into it. And we need some clear days so I can start digging trenches. You know what I mean? It's too it's too wet to dig trenches at the moment. Like record rains. I think it's the most rain we've had in. Someone said 150 years or something this year. Wow. So it's Holy it's shit. yeah, it's pretty insane. You walk out there and the water just comes up under your feet. Well y'all mm. had y'all had the fucking fires, what, two years ago? Yeah. Yep. It was ridiculous. Yeah, we had the driest summer we've had in in fifty years or something two years ago. Mm-hmm. We didn't have rain for two months and now it's just flipped. It's crazy. Absolutely ridiculous. Let me, let me ask you this where your house is now, if you had another fire event, are you pretty well shielded? Yeah, it's not too bad out this way. We don't really get many bushfires um, where we are. We had one on the mountain when we had that really dry season, but it was they controlled it pretty easily. 
Yeah. So there's okay. not enough yeah. trees around where we are for it to be an issue. With with that much land, are you considering going full like homestead where you you raise your own meat, you grow your own food, and kind of become like a self sustaining household? I wouldn't know where you to start look, with that. To be I, honest. I am I am <laughs> listen, this is the shit that goes on in my head. Like I'm you know, I talked about having my midlife crisis at thirty, you know, I'm I'm still going through it at thirty five. And uh and like this is this, these are the things I think about day in and day out. You know, the the idea of having cattle and chickens and shit like that scares the hell out of my wife. And if I showed up one day with it, I'm sure she would probably leave me over it. But, you know, I'm waiting till the time is right. And maybe if there's enough economic turmoil or something and I show up with a cow, it'd be it'd be less surprising and, you know, a bit a bit more what? a bit more friendly on me. Right. Is that what, what, you want to go with this? it? Or do you want green huh? acres? Does it- Green uh, Acres is the place, to be. place yeah. to be. I love that show. Well, anyway, Matt, so what is this deal about cattle? What is the deal about cattle? Because for it's me... Beef, man. I eat a lot of beef. Not, no, not, no, for a... Su- it's a good answer. No, for, for a... Su- <laughs> no, for a Sami, because... Okay, my happiest childhood memory is having... that cow. Oh, sorry. A, no, a black and white bull, and he was absolutely friendly. Yeah, the, black, and, the black Mama Sims uh, just just bounced in here to say, I, "I love to get to that point." Yeah, she would. Oh. We just got some chickens. Yeah, no we just got some chickens because Emma's all over it. Yep, she loves them. Loves the chickens. She wants to get. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, Russ well, takes see, priority. See how it goes. One step at a time, but yeah, that's because it. chickens chickens are something. Although I can tell you that I'm not generally a real chicken eater. Oh, shit, I am. Oh no! I mean, once I in a while, eat, I get a lot of chicken. No, yeah. I have chicken no, a couple times a week. No, yeah, I, I don't, and I don't, and it's actually for health reasons. Sometimes I eat chicken a couple times a day. Oh, I can do. It's, yeah. it's uh, I can do a couple times. It's a day. Yeah, say. Well, okay, for me, chicken is maybe one time in a week, tops, once. We typically go through a dozen to two dozen eggs a week, too. I mean, we go through a lot of mm-hmm. eggs. Um, you know, yeah, we go through okay. a couple. Uh, well, the milk is kind of toned down because really my, my son is the big consumer right now. So we go through about a gallon of milk a week. Uh, when my daughter was on it, it was we were really choosing through it there for a little while, so it's it's kind of it's it's kind of toned down. But you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that shit's fascinating to me, man. I I'd love to <laughs> just completely Matt Martin commune. Hey, listen, you got a you got a YouTube channel, and you got some you got a little bit of room back there. Man. You cleared you cleared the shed out for the cattle paddock, right? I mean, it's gone it's, now. It's an mm-hmm. acre. I've, I've looked into how many how many cattle can you get for an acre? You you know, right? Oh, if man. I if I did it, no. You, that's that's yeah. the thing. I realize you need a lot more space, but I could do chickens. And no lies, this is a true story. Had had one chicken one time, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> it was one just chicken. a strange, random ass bird showed up. Chicken showed up at our house, and uh, we thought it was cute, and started feeding it and stuff. And it was uh, hanging around. And listen, only in Tennessee did. I was going to say, this is the most Tennessee story ever. This is the <laughs> yeah. most Tennessee yeah, yeah, story yeah. ever. <laughs> no. 
Well, Matt, in I have Alabama. I have, you somehow find out you're married to your sister in in Mississippi. You find out you're married to your cousin in uh, in Kentucky. You know you you cook meth, and then in Tennessee, you have random animals wander up to your back door. Anyway, <laughs> we start taking care of the Roll chicken. Time. You know, we're feeding it. We're having a good time with it. And uh, Raul Tide. We go out of town. Uh, I had to do some work thing or whatever, and I took the family with me because I I'm a weirdo. And, uh, you know, I have to have my comfort creature, creature comforts. And then we came back to the house and, the, and it was flooded. My, I, I live on a floodplain, on a 100-year floodplain. And, and basically, the majority of my property was underwater. And it was in my crawl space under my house. And the, the chicken was gone. We, you know, we, it was shit, you know. I guess the chicken washed away. And it was, it was so beautiful because I had a pair of, uh, of, of spray boots on my, on my deck. And sitting on top of one of the spray boots was a single egg and this this chicken had left a, a departing gift of one single egg that it left before it disappeared well the water receded and uh, and i found the carcass of the chicken and it clearly it had been eaten by either a coyote or a dog or some other wild ass animal so um yeah that's my chicken story and since then it's made me want more chickens <laughs> that's a sad story it was a well, sad yeah. story, man. I love that yeah. damn bird. Well, get me emotional. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> My point oh. is, I would love it. And listen, I, I, you know, I'm full fledged, full fledged weirdo here, completely transparent about it. Um, my my other visions of grandeur, right, are. Uh, when I get to retirement age of going in and living on a boat somewhere out in the middle of the ocean. I think, I think that would be a wild time too, right? Just be completely self-sustaining on a, on a, on a sailboat or something out in the middle of the ocean. Well, you know, I it's, couldn't it's, do that. Not, it's not like you in every way. You know, I don't have sick. to be, you know, 3000 miles from the nearest coast kind of sort of thing. You know, I can be, I can be, you know, four or five miles off the coast or 10 miles off the coast where you, you don't even see, you know, everywhere you look is water kind of sort of thing. I can grow container plants right there on the, on the, if you're warm enough, you can grow year round container plants right there. Right. And all you need is, is a water, a water generator. You can catch a shitload of fish. I mean, you could leave, you could lead a pretty nice little retirement life doing that. I feel like, I don't know. I think it's, I think, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Well, I mean, I, I know in my retirement, I want to get as far away from the ocean as I can. <laughs> far away. God. So damn far away. <laughs> Where are you going to go? Where is far away from the ocean? Middle Kansas. of the States? Kansas. Mm. North Dakota. Right. Well, I think North Dakota well, is the furthest from the ocean you can get in North America. Well, let's put it this way. Far enough such that if I leave a piece of steel out, it doesn't turn rusty in one week. Because, by the way, Ben, that is that is Hawaii. Mm. You leave a piece of steel water. out, all the salt water, mm. it, it's rusted. It, it's all clapped. So all the cars would, are all the cars all rusted there? I guess. Well, probably pretty common to say rusted out cars, and actually, well, not really. Depending on where on the island you are, because what if I told you guys that there's literally parts of the island where the waves break on the road? (laughs) 
Okay, yeah, that is that. screwed. That is screwed because, but you know, that's uh, that's why I say I, I I dream of the day where I'm at least ten hours away from the ocean. Let me Fair enough. let me at least ten. <laughs> what in um. Do you see any fart and squirt companies popping up in Australia? Um, most most of the companies that are over here are just um just your general turf sale guys. Like it's not really homeowners as such. Yeah, no, not really. What's that? So, <laughs> do you do you have any major uh? Like, are are there any fertilizer and weed control companies at all? Yeah, yeah, yep, hundred percent. But it's mostly it's oh, okay. mostly all through. They sell to golf courses and sports fields and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it'd probably be. Oh, there's not a lot. I'd say there's only about six or seven. Mm. Is there? Do y'all have True Green there? No, we don't have True Green. Okay. <laughs> are you familiar with their with their business model? Oh, Fert and Squirt, I see what you're saying. Um, there is this not it's not really that popular to be honest. Like it's mostly just lawn mowing guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, there's not I guess there's a got there was a pl- some guys called the Fert Fert Doctor or something in Sydney and a couple of people like that. I think Hydro Hydro, no, Coochie. I don't know. There's so there's a couple, but there's not many. It's not huge. You know what I mean? Sure. Mm. Yeah. I I, yeah. I want, so it's it's growing like um you know, a, a lot of what you see here is um oh shit how how do, how do I describe it? All right, so a lot of people get into mowing, right? And and you know the problem with mowing in the states right now is everybody is in the, in the in the war of who can do it the cheapest, right? And and so a, a lot of times these people get, you know, put into situations where they just can't if if you've got more than two employees, you can no longer compete. Your overhead just becomes too high when you've got two, three trucks on the road, kind of sort of thing. Look at this. You found it. Wow. What is this? That's the one. Coochie? Mm hmm. Is that an Alan Jackson? There is a, this is a few about, but I'll tell you why it's probably not as common as it is over there because there's a lot of overgrown lawns. People don't care so much for their grass. It's starting to grow now, but it's not as big as it is in the states. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's quite different to what it is over there. I found like people don't have as much pride, I guess, in their grass. Like obviously it's growing bit by bit and bit, but it it hasn't been. Yeah, it, it also depends on where you live and where you go as well. But you don't have to keep your grass looking nice, even if you like. I know over in the states, there's certain areas that. You get fines, don't you, if you don't keep your lawn manicured and homeowners yeah, associations, kind of yes. Homeowners yeah. association controlled neighborhoods. I mean, that's where it kind of gets uh to be a thing, but if you don't have that in Australia and if in that homeowner association controlled area they don't uh also consider themselves the lawn police, then you kind of do, you kind of do okay because I too have had some very interesting converse, conversations or interactions with homeowner associations. 
because unfortunately, these homeowner associations, some of them need to be educated in actual agronomy, turf grass agronomy. And I would take immense pleasure in teaching them. So forward, right? <laughs> yes. I take immense pleasure. I mean, because if they're mandating something that's incorrect, I won't let it stand. Yeah, Rob. Not at all. Mm -hmm. no, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, I think that's endemic no matter where you're at, right? That people are that have businesses and successful businesses doesn't necessarily mean that they are a qualified expert necessarily, right? You know, through, uh, you know, the grace of luck or good fortune or just, um, I don't know, Ray. I don't know how some of these folks do it and, and make it through, but uh, certainly lack common sense in most cases, but somehow, some way, right? They're out there. They got a website, got a nice looking truck, and here they are doing their job. I mean, they're... And a lot of those guys, I, if you notice, a lot of their personalities are the same, you know, and they're just, they're absolute grinders. I, I met a lot of, a lot of these guys at conferences, you know, that have, you know, a five to $20 million lawn spray business. And they couldn't tell you the first thing about how to kill a weed. They do not give a shit how to kill a weed. You know, that's not what they're doing. And, you know, they're focused on how am I going to get all eight apps in this year? And that's, you know, as a business owner, that has to be, you know, your priority because that's your, that's your fucking revenue. You know what I mean? Is, is getting those apps in. And so, you know, I, how are we going to shift the schedules on rain days and all this fun stuff? And, and they take that on. And I mean, these guys are, are grinders, you know, and they'll go, if they got to go get on a truck and run around, they'll get on a truck and run around. If they got to fire somebody that's not putting out their weight, they'll fire that person and go get on a truck. And, and you see, you see a lot of that. And I, to me, I think that's what's kind of endearing about it, at least in the States, is that it provides an opportunity for people who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to build a $20 million business, right? And uh, because they're yeah. not an expert at killing weeds, they're not an expert at cutting grass, they're not an expert at management, but they just fucking grind, you know, and, and get out there and get the job. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, there you go. No, it, it is very different in that sense. I do. I do actually know a few guys that do do it, but I don't think they're to that capacity. You know what I mean? Like millions and millions of dollars of turnover. You know what I mean? Like there's just no way. Mm. It would be well, an I, interesting I, business model. I think that it, as it does catch on, being able to consult and uh, you know we have an in in house consultant here that you know, Mister Demay. Um, but I, you know, I, th I think I think it would, right? Is especially if if you could be a bit of the of the catalyst, just showcasing what you do on on YouTube, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think it already gives you a certain amount of credibility to be able to step in that role and uh, and and help those guys, you know, as they as they you know undertake this. Let me ask: Is the idea? I, I assume when you were in the states, did you get to see a lot of the American suburban environment? Like, you know, where you have, you know, kind of cookie cutter neighborhoods back to back to back. No, I didn't see not really too much of it, to be honest. No, and it was all a blur for me when I was there, too. I always had no sleep and jumping from place to place pretty quickly. So, yeah, I don't remember seeing much of it. No. Does that exist in Australia, too? 
love that sticker. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. It does. It does in um in Sydney more though. You know what I mean. It does here a bit in Orange, okay. but it's not so so created like like our new estates and where they're building new houses. Like you'll find between houses there might be only a couple of inches of gap. You know what I mean. And everything's super tight together. But it's it's not as I don't think it's as common as it is over over there unless you're in like the big cities because mm. we're more re- we'd call ourselves a regional New South Wales, so like a bit out of the way. So a bit more open and a bit more spacious out this way. Mm. I'm a country boy. What is a what is the population in Australia? I don't know. Can someone Google that? Yeah. I should know. <laughs> <laughs> let me Google that for you. Uh, let me seven million. Twenty five. How many? Seven. So that's what is that? That's like the same size as Los Angeles. That's <laughs> not huge. Too. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. Because we all live along the okay. coastline, you know what I mean? There's not much inland, like, oh, it doesn't yeah, go that far right. inland, yeah. Mm. It, 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 all, the, yeah. all the population is within so many miles of the coast, so there's literally nobody living, like, in the very middle of Australia. And mm. interestingly enough, here in Hawaii, for example, living in the middle of the island, on any of the islands, is a very rare thing because the middle of the island is basically over a thousand feet above sea level and it's at the top of the damn volcano. There's no habitable land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Well. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you. Yeah, looking at a population distribution map, and uh, that's an under, like, hang on, Jay Pink, I'll send this to you so you can throw it up, but my goodness. I mean, it's like literally only on the coast. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Wow. <laughs> they haven't marked on here. There's there's yeah. the random 10 people that live somewhere in the middle of inland, right? Uh, maybe <laughs> three <laughs> color coding. It's actually three. Yeah. <laughs> I would love See, I to know the census guy that had to go around and be like, "I'm, I'm just going to mark this as three. This is good enough." <laughs> you think he met with all three people that live there, and how do you go from three to ten to hundred to a thousand to ten thousand? The uh, the the denomination there just doesn't doesn't seem to. It's funny, isn't it? Either. It's I wonder where the three is. That is very interesting. That'd be in the Northern Territory, I reckon. Yeah, mm. it looks. Uh, I don't, I don't know. The, 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 the one dot up on the, on the very north there actually does appear to be 10. So, um, up the top. Yeah. There's, there's a couple. You can say no one's in the middle of the country. Like it's, it's crazy. It's all desert too, through there. Like it's all desert. So what goes on in there? If you find someone over there, like what's, what's happening? Are they hiding bodies or something? Most likely. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's yeah. lots of there's a, a few crime stories about some guys that did a bit, a bit of that through that that area there. I can't remember who it was. But it was an old trucky truck driver, and he was a serial killer. And he used to yeah do exactly that through that region. He'd find people like backpackers, and he'd basically take them out and and dump them in the desert. Mm. <laughs> it's a true story. Yeah, hey, we yeah. got death talk without Ray even getting there. 
This is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ben. Are you a fan of true crime? Yeah, I do. I do listen to a bit of true crime. Yeah, I do too. I'm a junkie. <laughs> Matt is Matt is beyond junkie status. Matt uh, is he? Oh, oh well, I'm sh- uh, Matt may or may not have located uh, Brian Lundry's body. You know, out there in the swamp. Uh, he maybe. <laughs> And Listen, he, he may or may a, not have, have a figured illness. <laughs> What's that? Who? Yeah, and Matt hey, may or know, may not have figured out who killed. Uh, who was who was killed by that? Uh, that Murdoch uh, attorney. Oh, Murdoch. Who, the, the Murdoch. Mur- Murdoch. Yeah. Yes. Who else? Who else was killed by that guy? I mean, there's, there's talk a lot about of crime a weirdo in the U.S. Ben. A lot, there's a lot mm-hmm. of this, yeah, but some, and also ass people there. I, I was gonna say the last oh, last one I want to bring up real quick was our our good friend and our anti hero. Uh, it's coming up on his anniversary. Old boy, old five G. You know, down there in uh, in Nashville, we'll have to pour in one Nashville. out for him. Yeah. So, well, at Christmas Eve of last year in downtown Nashville, which is the capital of Tennessee, the state I live in, um, this nutbag of a guy drove his custom-built camper into into downtown Nashville and started playing uh, a, a warning on a siren that everybody needs to vacate the area. And so, a couple people called police, and police heard it coming from the van and started ushering people out of homes and getting them out of the way and all this stuff. And sure enough, right as the police got out of, uh, uh, out of range of this vehicle, it switched to a song by Petula Clark called downtown. And it played the opening line and then detonated. And it was a big enough blast that even though it was parked like on the road, it leveled several buildings around it. And they were able to, back piece that the guy was just nuts that he thought lizard people were taking over the world and he had a big thing against <laughs> 5g technology and um and he didn't want to hurt anybody uh but he wanted to leave a name for himself it was fucked up it was crazy uh and it was a gigantic blast and actually ray was one who helped me determine uh the composition of the bomb he used uh based off you know some of the different <laughs> Shots of the blast that we had, and so we 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 more more than turf. Yeah, yeah. more than turf. (laughs) Sandslug. We're not one dimensional. We enjoy murder too. Yeah, we we enjoy murders. uh, Stay mass (laughs) explosives, mass uh, mass killings, crazy people, whatever. I mean, because wow, what is the old saying, Matt? It takes one to know one. That's right. And for the government that's listening right now, uh, Ben has nothing to do with this. This is all Ray and I. And, uh, and please, please don't take down our YouTube channel. Thanks. No. no. All right. So you got wow. the 12 acres now. Like what? Uh, okay. What are the, from a fine turf perspective, we saw the pasture, the par three. Tell us more about the par three and then maybe some of your other big goals in the next you know, year or so. Yeah, so obviously, so we sank a bore, which you guys call a water well, just so I've got a mm. consistent water supply over here um, because we do go through seasons of drought. It's, we've had an odd year. We've had just rain. haven't had the water or anything. But 
Uh, the plan is I'll obviously hook up irrigation up to that, get some pumps installed, um, and then from there I'm going to start constructing a bent grass green. Um, we'll see. We'll see how I go about it and what cultivar I decide to choose in the end. But just just for the fun of it, like I'm not going to be teaching people how to do it because if you don't have experience with bent grass, like it is very very hard to use in the home lawn. You know what I mean? Like it's not something I really want to be teaching people how to look after because they're going to get upset <laughs> if you know what I mean. Because it's yeah, I know what you it's mean. A, <laughs> it's a full on grass. Um, Exactly, it's temperamental, and you know what? I might have it in there for twelve months, and I might go, "This isn't working." Let's put some some cooch in there or Bermuda, as you guys say. Um, because but the only issue is if I put something like Bermuda in there, is it's going to be dormant for four months of the year, and for a green, that's not really going to be ideal. I could oversow with some marae grass and cut it up a little bit higher, like a like a dwarf variety or something. But yeah, the plan is just to to tick along, do projects along the way, do a green, do a tea. Do my fairways. I'll have a couple of different types of grass in there. I want to try some zoysia because I've got no experience with it. I don't know how it's going to go here because it's quite it's quite cool here. But I just want to try it out and see see how it'll it runs. Mm. It'll do fine. Yeah, just be stuck in dormancy for a bit longer, I reckon. But yeah, that's the fun of it. Like I just want to play around with some different grass types and just just have some fun with it. That's the main goal with it, and and just show the progress along the way. And if people have learn you- things from it, that's great. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Have Sorry, you decided which cultivar of bent you're going to use? No, I haven't decided yet. I think I'll I'll probably ask a few guys in the industry what they recommend and what what's new on the market and and do a bit of research into it. But I want to try something new as well. Like we on our golf course, we use Pencross Pencross bent, which is old, oh mm-hmm. old as that cultivar. Yeah, that's what we used to have. That's um, the old school you- bent, right there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We had lots of see which, we had go ahead. that round top Egmont. We had all these old school varieties of um of bent at the golf course. Yeah, but I'm interested to see what's out there because there's quite a few new cultivars out which I'm interested in. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Interesting, Ray. What do you think? Uh, what do you think Tahoma Thirty One would do over there? Because he's he's got uh, they imported it there and it's at several farms, not terribly mm. far from him. I'm curious what you think it would do. You know what I think it would do is I would think that it would do absolutely fabulously. And the reason why I'd say it would do fabulously is because here's what I'm learning about the newer cultivars or releases of Bermuda. They have a high tolerance for cooler weather. And when I say cooler weather, I mean, they don't get all discombobulated just because the temperature is near 20C. Mm. Because because typically, once you you get near 20C, your old varieties of Bermuda grass, like for example, uh, 328, 419, uh, common they all have trouble holding their act together once you get yeah, they'll cool. go purple here. Mm-hmm. They all go yep. purple. Okay, because here's what I can tell you about the newer varieties at that temperature. They don't get purple. They, they just chooch along. And how... Why is that? Is it... It's, it's basically... It? 
they were selected to tolerate being grown further up north than traditional Bermuda, for one thing. Yeah, so, so a lot of the a lot of the old Bermuda, the the three twenty eight, for example, that was all developed here in Georgia, you know, which is southeast mm-hmm. of the United States, you know, further south of Matt, near Florida, uh, not too far from the Florida border. And so definitely a predisposition to be um, not nearly as cold tolerant, although they are starting to put out some that are. These, these other varieties that are more cold tolerant have been developed in Oklahoma. Uh, and so Oklahoma is dead center of the country. Uh, it can be very, very warm there in the summertime usually is i mean it's triple digits and then in the winter time it can be very very cold it can be well below freezing mm-hmm. and stay that way for a number ice. of months and so ice they, yeah, yeah. It, it's a very it's a very four seasons type of climate and the the bermuda that has come out of there the cultivars of bermuda over the last you know 15 or so years now have mm-hmm. kind of steadily been improving upon each other uh, as they go i'll uh well, J. Pink, I'm going to send cool. you a picture real quick, and we can give Ben a little bit of a idea. Here we go. Here we go. So, uh, you know, it was what was it? Northbridge, Latitude 36, uh, Patriot before that. Yeah, Patriot. Um, all of those were kind of you know brought on with the with the promise of being cold tolerant, and uh, but it's it's really been these last few that have uh, been the been the game changer. You know. Uh, you know, Ryan lives in in Canada, also known as Ohio, and uh, and he's <laughs> you know he's growing no. Bermuda grass regularly up there, which is you know beforehand. Listen. If you would have told me ten years ago someone was going to grow Bermuda grass in Ohio, I mean, I would have I'd have laughed my I'd have laughed in their face and been like, yeah, good luck, mm-hmm. have fun. You know, that's it's going to be dormant six months out of the year. You know, they're just a just a joke show, and and now but you know doing he's it doing flawlessly. it. And you know what? Uh, When Ryan said that he was going to be dealing with Bermuda, specifically the newer, more winter-hardy, cold-tolerant varieties, I said, that's what I'm talking about because the problem with growing cool-season grass in, you know, that part of the country is that cool-season grass goes through what I call its fragile period. And Ryan, you know what I you know what I consider its fragile period? Summertime. Yes. Yeah, I mean it, there's Bro- there's a difference between walking on eggshells all summer long with cool season grass versus, you know, the three or four weeks in the spring where you're shitting razor blades and hoping you don't have winter kill, which here can be an issue, but it's you know it hasn't been so that picture that's uh here it would be the equivalent for you of the very end of april right so that's bermuda grass at the very end of april for you and is there much grass coming out of that or is it pretty pretty um it's it's still growing still grown still growing a little bit um and so you know we had um how many nights below freezing do you get or when do you get that cold i guess April, yeah, but April's when it starts. We start getting frosts most nights. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. So 
you know, it would check out then and, you know, it's greening up or, you know, in your case, uh, you would probably be, I'd say September. Yeah. September, early September. Mm -hmm. It's growing, you know, it's greening Mm -hmm. up. So, you know, all things considered, you know, if you, if you try something like that, it looks like I'll throw the link in here and let JPink send it over to you, but it looks like it's at, there's a sod farm in Pitt town over by Sydney and another one further out from you over in Griffith. That has the stuff. Oh yeah. So. Yep. There you go. I'll have to check it out because it sounds good. Yeah, and that's what I'm excited to works. do, like try cultivars like that. Yep. New experiences. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all you can ask for. Mm. So yep. the par three gets built. I mean, what about like up around the house and all that kind of stuff? Like, is there anything with the main lawn that you're like, man, we gotta get this fixed? Or is it just there's too many other irons in the fire right now, you think? Um, I've been working on the front lawn at the moment. I just did a big renovation, like took it back to basically dirt. It's kikia grass, so mm, some people call it the thick-bladed Bermuda over here, but it's a little bit different. It's a bit more of a of a sook of a grass. Um, there you go. That's it there. So I think seven weeks ago now, I, I took that down to basically nothing, um, so and that's you. been my ongoing. Yeah, it's been my ongoing project since we moved in, basically. So I got rid of all the weeds and all the cool season grass out of it, and I've just sort of been ticking along with it bit by bit. So that I'm sort of just doing it like chunk by chunk, you know what I mean? So I'll I'll try to get that done, obviously, this season. I'll have that pristine. Um, I'd love to jump onto the par three, but it's it depends on the weather because it's just too wet. So I might not be doing anything until next year. That's the thing. But otherwise, I've got some very shaded areas out the back, um, out in front of the pool, which I wouldn't mind over over sowing or even just completely doing it again and, and sowing in some sort of fine fescue or a cool season blend. It's just something different. Um, yeah, it's just a little bit by a little bit I'm going to take it. But I'm planning to have a lot of different like grassed areas and areas that are obviously separate to each other and just trying things out. That's the, the main goal in the end. But I'm not going to be doing the whole 12 acres with grass. You know what I mean? Like that's just yeah, yeah, yeah. it won't be manageable. There's just no way. You crazy. need the budget of a golf course. Oh, well, that's exactly it. And you'd need some water. <laughs> tell you what. Oh yeah, <laughs> It'd be yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, it's, well, it, I, so I didn't realize y'all get as cool at night as you do in your area. Um, yeah. So when I pulled up your weather averages, you know your you know you have very normal high temperatures, but uh, your low temperatures. Uh, overnight mm. are still pretty cool. So even in peak summer, you know, you know, high high fifties, low sixties. Um, yep. so I threw it into a growth probability model, um, just to see what it looked like based on your historical weather data. And I'm I'm using Weather Spark, and I don't know how accurate this is, right? So, um, you know, are they pulling back a hundred years? Are they pulling back five years? You, you know, I, I I don't know, but you know, very low growth probability for, for warm season grass. So I can see that mm-hmm. it would, you know, you, you would definitely, it would behoove you to use, um, you know, one of these varieties that is, that is cold tolerant improved. You, uh, you had, uh, what was it? Tiff, Tiff tough at your last Tiff joint? tough. And that's, that's something cause people always go on, it needs low end inputs. Um, and it's, it's like the most thatchy, like, Bermuda grass out there, but because of the climate we're in, I could crank that thing with nitrogen and it didn't worry it. It was very, it was you know very interesting could, um, because it's so cold you know you and could? my temperatures are so low. Mm. Yep. 
That, that's exactly, and it's because you had such a truncated growing season, Ben, where yeah. half the year it's done and gone because, mm-hmm. and the other thing that I'm, you know, looking at Matt's uh, growth potential chart that he flashed up for us, uh, I'm looking at it on the Discord right now, by the way. Uh, I'm not so sure that Zoisha would work for you. Yeah. That's why I've and always the reason, questioned it. Yeah, and the reason why I'm not so sure is because at no time do you have the kind of temperatures needed for optimal growth. And I'm even talking to your so-called summer because the stopper for Zoisha is cool nighttime temperatures. Mm. That's just it. That's yeah. just its stopper. Because on the other hand, I have my sod grower friend that brags to me about how, hey, they grow Zoisha matrella in Thailand and they go from sprigs to sod in approximately 30 days. But humid over there. That that is because rainforest. Uh, yeah. and not only that, they're growing in their growing season or whatever. Uh, I don't know how much I'd like a place where it never gets below eighty-five degrees Fahrenheit, mm. and that's combined oh, with ninety percent humidity minimum. Yuck. I think yeah, it would be worth that. trying. You know, you'll see some of the old, old uh, zoysia grasses in in random ass places up north here, where it is cold. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 typically, like you're going to see like Meyer Z52, which is one of the you know really old old varieties. But uh, I think it would be worth trying just just to see what kind of response you get out of it. I mean, if, even if it was only a few hundred square mm. feet, you know, uh, you know well, that's dig, what I'm dig thinking. Just something tawny. Mm. Is that as long as like it doesn't get chewed up with disease or whatever, uh Mm. I think I think it would be fine. It would be your recovery rate in the event something did happen to it, right? It would just be extremely slow to recover. But um I don't know. I'd I'd have it in a test plot and you wouldn't have traffic. Mm. Yeah. Because here's the thing that I, I know about Zoisha under cooler conditions. It gets even more sensitive about recovery from traffic. Okay, it uh, like for example, in cooler weather, I know where people are walking on Zoisha. I all, I, I can see it clearly see because it wears out, and but on the other hand. When you say it's raining, you know your twenty, your 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 five hundred mil of rain. When does most of that fall? Uh winter. Generally, it falls mostly in winter. It's just this year's been oh, a bit different. Oh crap! Oh crap! Because <laughs> the reason why I say oh crap is Zoisha doesn't have an issue with the cold. Provided it stays dry in the winter. If it doesn't yeah, okay. stay dry, 
uh, mm. it, it, it's going to surprise you and not in a nice way because cold and wet equals large patch. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. Well, let's put the uh, test, eh? Yeah, you'll have to, you'll you have to check to. it out. You've got to. <laughs> hey, I'm curious what, check what it varieties out. you have access to over there. You know, like we see, you know, the big one that's in, in my area, in different areas of the U.S., it's different ones. But but right here, it's uh, it's Zeon Zorgia is the one you hear about. Yeah, Zeon. And, uh, Zeon's a big one. Oh, okay. And Empire. And Empire. Empire and Empire. There's, another, there's another one that's come out recently, but I can't remember what it's called. But they're, the, they're probably the main ones, yeah. Okay, and, and I, there's not here's a lot what I can hear Zeon. Okay, Zeon, here's what I can tell you. The one I've ever messed around with, it just it drives me absolutely bonkers because you feel like it's cruising and you feel real good and comfortable with it, and then, uh, and then disease just absolutely smokes it out. It doesn't like to be fertilized. It's real finicky about how it's cut and all that shit. So uh, you real mow anyway. So a lot of that you can you know you don't have to worry about. Yeah. But uh, because by the way, I, I hate Zeon. Matt, uh, what's what's behind me is about five thousand square feet of Zeon. Mm. That's what's behind me, Eight. and the here's my observation of it is it's a little less disease susceptible in my area, but still, yet uh, if it rains too much, I'm on alert. Because of that, because what I notice about Xeon is Xeon is a lot more susceptible to getting Pythium. Whereas your varieties like Empire get more large patch. That's the, that's, I guess, is the differential is that I don't get as much large patch on the, on the Xeon, but if it's too wet, I worry about the Pythium root rot type of a situation. We just had an interesting technical difficulty here. Uh, <sighs> that noise we heard in the background is, uh, is something catastrophic happened with Ben's camera. If I heard correctly, which mm-hmm. I didn't hear any, any strung together flagrant words being tossed around, but I believe his camera Fell off your desk? Did your camera? No, fall? my battery went flat. No, my battery went oh. flat, and I dropped the battery on the desk. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. No, nothing, nothing truly, ca- nothing truly catastrophic, but uh, we're safe. Yeah, uh, because and in a cooler climate, what I notice is that Xeon tends to be less adversely affected by the cool, whereas Empire turns into such a little girl. It has to be hot for <laughs> for Empire to be happy. Just saying. Well, no, that's, that's interesting. Ben, we're going to start transitioning to the show after the show, but I want you to take a moment and uh, and tell everybody else how they can learn more about you, how they can follow along with uh, with what you do out there in the world. Cool. So you can find me on, I think YouTube's the main thing. Just look up Lawn Tips on YouTube and you'll find my channel where I'm basically just documenting my process of turning my property around into hopefully a nicely grassed area. 
over the next couple of years. Um, and then I got, I do Facebook and Instagram, but I'm not as heavily involved. I basically just stick to the YouTube. But yeah, appreciate you guys if you check it out. Everybody, go check out Lawn Tips. Learn something. Get yourself cultured. Understand that there are people out there in the world who like to do the same shit we do, and uh, and not not everything is uh, not everything is America all the time. I promise. Uh, ben, we want to thank you for coming on, but I'll tell you that I know where most people want to hang out with you because because then we can kind of cut up a little bit, get a little unfiltered. <laughs> we can take off the relaxed hat, and not have to worry about the the YouTube censors and all that fun stuff. And that's going to be on the show after the show. If if you all are interested in catching more content, then you have the availability. You can do it uh, through two ways. You can either go to patreon.com forward slash burner return, or you can hit the join button down below either or pick your poison. It all works out to be it's different, but similar. And uh, but that will give you access to uh, to the after show. A couple things. If bad words frighten you, it's probably not the place for you. Uh, I get a little rowdy sometimes during some of the topics of conversation. Don't get me started on a glyphosate tear uh, or, or talking about true crime because both of them I'll end up on uh, on some, some weird. I just get weird. I'm already weird. I get extra weird. So if you're not into <laughs> adult co- content or adult topics or uh, or having a good time, then it's probably not a place for you. And seriously, no harm, no foul. Um, but if you are interested in that, if you're interested in that additional piece and, you know, you do want to hang out for a little bit longer, catch us on over there. Uh, if you do join, you know, you'll be given a, uh, a, a link to where you can be able to go and it exists for 10 minutes and 10 minutes alone. And after that 10 minutes are gone, it's, it, it's gone to the world. It does not exist. This is not recorded. It cannot be rewatched again. So you get one shot for 10 minutes, 10 minutes alone. Otherwise it is gone forever until then we'll catch y'all on the next one.